On today's episode of The Glue Guys, we are going to talk about Kevin Durant, Alizé Johnson, Mike James, maybe James Harden, and a lot of big playoff basketball wow. questions. Wow. Welcome back to the Glue Guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. Check us out on Twitter at BKGlueGuysNetsDaily.com. The Athletic. Get yourself behind that paywall. TheAthletic.com. Slash Glue Guys. Brian. Mike. The Nets are back. Mike, I want you to, going forward, come in a little sooner. Like I don't want you to... I, don't let me tail me. off with the hello. I want you to come in at about like when I'm 80% done, Okay. Yeah, production, production <laughs> note. <laughs> I do do that every, do. every time. You let me, you give me enough rope to hang myself, and that's I would because <laughs> that's the weakest part there. I never know how exactly the hello is going to go, and I'm leaving Nobody open does. the five percent possibility uh, that like you're gonna you're gonna keep it going. You know, like there's sometimes you really belt and, it, and even then I want you to come in. I think that'll be the vibe, a little overlap <laughs> vibe, like um, the Breakfast Club. Or, no, wait, I don't know. Somebody you know does, what? This, yeah. You can edit the pot then. How would that fly? <laughs> <laughs> classic, a classic. Mike, how are you? Did you watch the games? Raps, Pacers. <laughs> did you get any? Did you get any games in? How could you resist Alize Johnson at this point? It's a big game. It's a big game, Mike. He's the Nets' fourth star. Are you a believer? I mean, where do you want to start? We had some. We had some games. Gosh, we have so much. Um, so on today's show, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the Nets are currently the first seed. Does it matter? Doesn't matter. Alizé Johnson conversation, um, Kevin Durant conversations, playoff rotation. So many. There'll be multiple conversations throughout one larger conversation. Yeah. Um, let's start with Alizé. Okay. <laughs> Before we get to the basketball, you you were watching him buy a house. I did watch him. Buy, this is like a video from maybe two or three years ago, I feel like. This was... Um, yeah, I don't know. This is an old video, but he bought a house for his mom with a very early contract, which I'm glad. The G League salary, <laughs> right. which is a blessing. Which is a that blessing. That is a blessing. It's a blessing. And I don't know. There's fluctuation in the G League, so I don't want to make any assumptions. You know, that's not a that's not a dignified <laughs> thing to do is to cast aspersions about what someone's got in their bank account. Mike, that's not what we do on this show. That's what the hell is that? That's Be tawdry. Careful. That is tawdry. Be careful. Well, Mike, I mean, I don't know. Did you want to talk about what a amazing contract he has now in, in hindsight? I mean, are you a believer long term? Are you buying... Alize yes. stock presently. You so, are. so the stock that I am buying, if I'm if I'm NFTing, I know if an NFT is not a stock. I apologize, Spencer Dinwiddie, yeah, who listens to the show. But um, the stock I'm buying is Energy Bench Big, Energy Bench EBB, dude. EBB stock, EBB. Um, because to me, it's like I mean, he had a, he had a twenty twenty game. He had a, a a big game. What is it, Diane Sawyer? Was she on 2020 or was it Barbara Walters? <laughs> it was definitely Barbara Walters. Sure. David Muir is. Wow. <laughs> Name them all. Get them all. Right on, Gotta catch them maybe all. Maybe Peter Jennings. I'm just going through the ABC News Bureau yeah. right now. Cronkite. No, Brian. No. <laughs> he was CBS. He he led like, us through the Vietnam War. I don't know if you heard about that. He he led us through the Vietnam War. Cronkite. Um, <laughs> um, Tim Russert. I'll say that. Uh, that's NBC. Um, Man, the 
Sorry. Yeah, I know. Alizé Johnson. Um, exciting. I mean, I, this is so silly. The silly thing that's about being a Nets fan right now is that the Nets have Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden. But yet, the excitement level for an Alizé Johnson, that's where all the energy is focused towards. Yeah. Like, Mike James has a good game. We all get pumped up about that. Alize Johnson has a good game. We all get pumped up. Like Kevin Durant, what did he score against? I have the I have the box score up right now. I, I think he Panthers, was like 42. 42 <laughs> in third, you know, a 42 10 assist game. Mm-hmm. Um but yet like that doesn't feel that doesn't feel exciting. It's not that's not what we do Alize. as Nets fans. That's not what we've been what we've been <laughs> trained for over these years. It's we're still looking for diamonds in the rough and I mean it's a habit we can't break. We're not going to. So, I mean, we're here to talk about the Mike James week. He's had the ups and downs of the Mike James week. Have you ever seen the uh, – there's a video of Michael Jackson um, when he, like, goes to an antique store. Yeah, I have seen this video. Yeah. Like a luxury – I love if, this video. If if no one has seen it, I guess Google Michael Jackson luxury antique store. Would that be the best Google – for uh, that video, you, you might get it. Yeah. Like, sh- yeah, I think just like Michael Jackson shopping spree antique <laughs> antiques, <laughs> you know, so all the colon like antiques. all the furniture you can just tell is like dripping with zeros. Like it's there, they are well, so six figure, seven it, it figure. Is, it's important to set it up, which is this is a like in huge a Costco size, uh, like warehouse in Las Vegas that's just filled with schlock. Just like overload. It's just like, and it's all priced obscenely high. And there's like three different stores that are exactly the same right next to it. Of just like a like giant lion statue for your lawn or something, <laughs> you know, like that kind of thing. Or like an Egyptian, you know, 10 foot Egyptian lamp, you know, things that no one could ever possibly want. Um, and he just like randomly decided like, this is the best store. This is the, t- this is the best, <laughs> the number one store. And I spend all of my money in this one store and just it's, takes him through it. He's just going, pointing around, buying things. It's billionaire home goods. Yeah. You know, it's yeah, like, exactly. It's, and he just goes and he just points and says, I want that one, that one, that one. Yeah. Love this. And at that pace yeah. that it wasn't even like, it was just see it, yeah. want it. Drops and like literally a million dollars. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, why I said that. Why I wanted to talk about that, I'm really not sure. Uh, yeah, there's something there. There's something there, but there's some some way it relates to Nets World, which Let's is just see. like we just we, we just want it all. Mm. We both we want both the luxury items right. that are in that warehouse, like Kevin Durant, James, but we also like want the the good finds at the thrift store. Can like, I? Yes. Can, can I actually do that? This is and we're yeah. going to get way too in the weeds here, and ever all our Thank listeners you. are jumping ship. But um, Andy Warhol, there's a there's a good there's a good oh podcast. Oh yeah. now you pulled them back in with Andy Warhol. <laughs> there's a Thank good God. There's a good shout out to Malcolm Gladwell who did a podcast about Andy Warhol's uh, hoarding behavior, which is he collected very expensive things and also like bubblegum wrappers and like he like you know he hoarded everything. Wow. He would, he spent a lot of time at flea markets buying some very you know, cheap things, and he treated them all exactly the same. He would have his like, you know, very expensive collection living right next to his like army his men fabric, action figure, his, his GI Joe's, <laughs> yeah, exactly, next to his Cadbury. And that's what I—that's sort of how I feel about our like. I just we just want them all. We want the the, you know, the Mike James diamonds in the roughs, and our also our Ferraris, and you know, all the good, all the things. The the thing I love the most about the Alize Johnson exper- experience. Is that I can see, like we talked about the role. Like I can visualize that role existing on this Nets team throughout the length of his contract. If you don't remember his contract, 
He signed through the rest of this year. And then the Nets have basically control over him for the next two years at like sub $2 million a year salary. So he's bench player money, like the perfect sort of minimum deal. And, you know, like, so I'm, I don't want to be harsh, but comparing it to Timothy Luwalo Cabarro, friend of the show. Friend of the show. Best friend, friend of the show. But as, as Brian and I, if you're friends with Brian and I, we just... We we just say negative it's things. Terrible. About it. <laughs> Nobody yeah. wants to be our friend. Yeah. So friend of the show, Timothy Lalo Caparo. <laughs> right. There's there's a sense that like maybe uh, Nets fans don't love him so much in the moment, um, be, because he doesn't really do that much in the court. And a guy like TLC, if he's not hitting his three point shot, there's kind of like there's just like not much that's going to be happening for him, right? Mm-hmm. He's not like a big ball mover. Not a big defender, not a big rebounder. It's basically like, can you hit threes? Yes. Yeah. Okay. A little athleticism. Alize is just this sort of like taller Bruce Brown type figure where mm-hmm. he will get rebounds. He'll do the dirty work. He feels sort of like um, like a weapon to deploy in really sort of nasty battles. Mm. Like I'm gonna. I mean, I know he's not a five, and he's not gonna guard Embiid. But I like the idea of Alizé Johnson annoying Ben Simmons, mm. right? Or or even fronting Embiid and just kind of being elbows and arms. Like in that Sixers game, the most recent one with the Nets, Alizé almost got in a fight with both Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid at the same time. Mm-hmm. That's I like that energy about him. I mean, the guy had 20 and 20. Uh, uh, <laughs> Diane Sawyer again. Um. So uh, a quality performance. To before, wait, do you have any other Alize thoughts before we move on to Kevin Durant? Because I think I I need to make amends to Kevin. It's not it's not really a thought. I mean, it's just like I guess it's more of a question: is do we expect <laughs> this to continue going forward? Is this the Alize Johnson that we're going to have for three glorious years? Um, <laughs> he's going to average. He's going to be Moses Malone. Basically. You know, a, a version. I mean, like, did we get a true? A truly perfect. Another. Did Sean Marks do it again? Did we do it again? Or is I, this? I, or are we going to be? Because okay, let me just do the yeah. parallel, which is the Mike James parallel, which is the game against Boston. People were pretty hype, pretty hyphy <laughs> yeah. on on yeah. your buddy. As they should be. And, uh, no, you come, Mike James. You whoa. No, you hate up. Mike James. Hold you hate I Mike James. This, uh, no, no, the instinct no. that people have to do this to paint I'm people. Mute my mic. I apologize. I'll mute it. <laughs> the second, the second you start to do anything critical, it's not even critical. It's an, it's just an observation, which is we get pretty hyphy on that game one, and then slowly over the course of the week, um, we got more data, and uh, the Pacers game was pretty ugly for Mike. I gotta say, and um, still had seven assists. Four turnovers, not great, but still seven assists. Um, yeah, still di- I would say diamond like, it the, the, the he was kind of given a pretty big task, which is like, hey, preserve this lead so that we don't have to bring Kevin Durant back into the stupid game. And he <laughs> failed. <laughs> he failed at that. Not that he's like the only one responsible for it, but he kind of most conspicuously failed at it. Um, and I, it's not to say that like he's that's you know doom and gloom about mike james forever i'll say that like from what i've seen there's some things that i like about mike james and there's some things that i don't like about mike james and i i know that we're in a, in a period wow. <laughs> what what no i'm just kidding i don't know why what? i feel so personal yeah this is such a, uh, this is, we're in a podcast mike we're in the biz okay <laughs> this is what we do here we we sit we we gain weight we cast aspersions and we and we you know we drag it's a it's a bucket of crabs we're just pulling each other down okay I'm just kidding. That's we're trying to be positive, but I think Mike James is at his best. Here's how I'll frame it: Mike James is at his best when he is playing. When he's l- not playing. 
Michael, now you're doing, now you're trolling me, and I can't have that. Mike James is at his best when he's playing Boston, the Boston Celtics that one time, and every other time. No, just kidding. He he's doing. He is trying. He's trying to like really cement that contract, and he's trying to like have a, a real moment. And um, I think he's he's kind of his mind's playing tricks on him a little bit here, Mike, with with some of these decisions throughout the game. Some of the shots that he's taking, I think, are, are misguided, and it's a little bit the kind of pressure shot that you put on yourself. And it's like I would love to make this team. I would love to have a guaranteed contract here, and every loss begins to start to chip away at some level of confidence like oh gosh i can feel that contract disappearing and i can i can just sense the anxiety in that game against the pacers last night i could feel it it made me uncomfortable and and i i also can see the anxiety and i understand the anxiety i understand the source of it i mean he's been, he's been playing in moscow right he's been playing for siska yeah siska 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 uh mikhail prokhorov um so i understand the like <laughs> Let's say this. these are the two scenarios. Brian, be good at podcasting. You get to stay in Brooklyn. Brian, be bad at podcasting. He has to move to Moscow, right? I, mean, I rise to the occasion, Mike. That's the difference. <laughs> that's the difference between me and you. And when I'm put on the spot, Mike, I can, I'm trying to do like a real, you know, like a r- radio voice. Yeah, I appreciate it. Did you yeah, get that? that? That sounded really good, actually. <laughs> I um, can do that the whole show if you want. So I need to apologize to Kevin Durant. Um, well, I'm not fully taking back my take that I'm a little worried about his um, explosive athleticism at this point. I'm a little worried he's withholding. A I bit hate of this take. What is this take? It's so garbage. Is this I a- just the injuries and the. I, I mean, I know a lot of this year was taken away from him due to COVID. That he was, you know, in protocol and like so. If he didn't have those protocol <laughs> issues, he would have been playing more games, and I would have been able to see more of him. But the storyline of this season for Durant is he plays well and then he doesn't play. And then he plays well and then he doesn't play. He's back. He's playing well. Of course he is. He's one of the top three scorers of the in the history of the NBA. Um, he had 42 and 10. 10 assists. Uh, he was 16 for 24. I mean, the only every time he's on the floor and he's even relatively healthy, he's putting up points. Uh, I don't know if he's had a bad game all year. You know, so um, I just there's still like just an inch of me, just a bit of me. I, I still need you, to see. Why do you feel like you have to do this? I don't. This is because I need. I'm being honest. This is an honest. We're an inch of I, you that needs to see what? What, what more would to, you? I need to see seven more games, seven more games of Kevin Durant continuing. How to play many? Basketball how many regular season games is left? <laughs> Who are, are even left? Yeah. Um, I think it's a 72 game season. The Nets are 43 and 20. So nine more games. Nine more games. So, so you I need to see seven. Seven of nine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it seems doable. But if, and if he would, if he gets six and it's this inch, this inch of Mike, that's, that's you. That's you right now. <laughs> All right. Let's take a quick break and then coming back. We're going to take some of your questions that we got from our at BK Glue Guys Ooh, Twitter account. Fun. Welcome back. Um, so we actually have a lot of really, really super great questions that I appreciate. And can I'm we, gonna, can yeah. we shout out quick shout out to the Twitter sphere? We have not been invoking the Twitter sphere very often, neglecting it, to be honest with you. I mean, shout out to the Discord and links in the bio on Twitter, <laughs> but also shout out to the Twitter sphere. Thank you for coming up. Because like, honestly, me and Mike just stood here and just we stared. We are just staring blankly at each other the entire first 15 minutes of this show, thinking about what the hell we were going to say. 
Turned out it would be me dumping on Mike James for 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we got. Well, let me start first with my own question. At Mike Smeltz on Twitter. <laughs> as, okay, the Nets, are, the Nets are the one seed right now. They're a game and a half above the, the 76ers. By the way, the Nets have clinched a playoff spot. Thank God. Um, Nets are a game and a half up. Brian, do you think it matters at all? Not even It could be least bitter or a lot of it. The Nets getting the one seed, or do you think it not does not matter? Just one or two is good enough. Do you want me to do the thing like we talked about this before the show, where <laughs> I I go one way and you go the other way, and so no, we, go the way you so want. So we could have because we never we have a problem where we never we never really have conflict yeah. in the show. We've decided to be more have more conflict, <laughs> right? Because we defer. Like, well, we didn't. Have, we actually didn't decide that. Now I'm disagreeing with you right now on yeah. whether we disagree enough. I hate you. I hate you for saying that. Um, my my take, my hot take on this is that the first overall seed is important with a capital I, and I want it. Okay, is that your take? That's my take. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Rats. Even though it's kind of actually been altering since I kind of first unfurled it on Twitter, which is ba- the basic thing that I think everyone needs to focus on. You you talked right? about this on Twitter. You had a big thread. I had a big thread. Uh, I had one tweet. Really hmm. a large thread. So the Nets are the one seed, 76 are the two seed. The play-in tournament is still sort of a confusing thing, but in the most basic terms, if the Nets stay the one, their road to the Eastern Conference Finals even is either the Hornets, the Pacers, or the Wizards. The Wizards are frisky. Mm. A little scary. We've talked, we can talk about that. And then it's Knicks-Hawks winner, right? And as Maybe, you know, sort of exciting as the Knicks have been recently and as as, as good as they've been, I, I, w- I still wouldn't be fully terrified of them versus if you're the two seed, that's probably the Miami Heat in the first round and then either the Bucks or the Celtics, but probably the Bucks in the second round. And then you play, you know, the 76ers if they're the first seed. That road, the Nets going against Hornets, let's say, and then Knicks versus... Heat than than Bucks, the road is I think wildly different. Yeah, you know I think that's that's a massive gap. Um, is so it is important. I don't think the Nets care about it though. I don't think the way like just the way Sean Marks and Steve Nash sort of coach coach the team and run the team, you know, allowing guys to to fully heal and to have as many rest days as possible. I think they even do extra games of rest. I don't think they fully care about the number one seed. I do. I think it matters greatly to increase your your percent chance of getting to the NBA Finals. Well, here's what they figured out was that we can win, you know, a 66 percentile with just one of our three best players on, you know, that's basically like how how it's been cracking out. And um, it's kind of predictable based on which player you select out of our, um, out of our stable here. Um so I think they're in a really interesting spot, which is like basically like we have been winning uh, with our with our depth, with our dregs, to be honest with you. I mean, like we're throwing out like we're plucking off guys from Russia and, and sticking them in there in the rotation, <laughs> playing big minutes and beating like other playoff teams in the Boston Celtics and so on and so forth with just, you know, a pretty big hodgepodge of, of players here. So 
And this is something that we often do, and I'm going to do it again, but just like big credit to Mike D'Antoni and Steve Nash, the coaching staff. For wow. you, you list big, D'Antoni first. Wow. I know. I want D'Antoni because I feel like he's the unsung hero of, of this whole thing. Um, but yeah, so. Uh, do you think we, he's a little bit bitter against Steve Nash to be like, D'Antoni's bounced around the league. He's coached, I think this, I think he's had five head coaching jobs. Obviously, he's coached talent. He coached Kobe Bryant. He coached James Harden. Uh, Steve Nash, obviously, he coached. But Nash is in year one is like, I just have Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James. Like, yeah, I think old man D'Antoni, a little bitter. I don't think so. I think D'Antoni's no. like vibing big on on because every time I see him over there, he's just like writing a novel on the bench. He's got like a <laughs> <laughs> scribbling away, you know. Um, he's a real, you know what he is? He's like he's like a guy who used to be like the VP of accounting at some company and then, you know, he gets a buyout and then he works as a consultant like a like a like a 62-year-old who retired, got the buyout and mm. now is like sort of just consulting at another company and he just walks in those meetings like I've got no responsibility. Yeah, yeah. I'm just kicking back. You, you I, I have my answers. It. If you want to hear them, you know, I'm here for you. But that's that's all I do. I give my He's advice. He's like Bobby De Niro in that movie with, uh, you know, where, where De Niro's like an assistant to Anne Hathaway. Did you ever see I, the movie? I missed that one. I missed that solid, one. The intern. I think it's called I think The Intern. It's the Intern. <laughs> yeah. And then Joaquin Phoenix just shoots him in the head at the end of the movie. I just, the only thing I remember movie. from the trailer of that is like, when, when we stop tucking in our shirts... No, no tucking in the shirts. And then I thought of the, <laughs> yeah, that's the whole movie. And then I thought that of the untuck the it guy. Um, the notorious untuck it commercial that plays on the, on the yes broadcast. Yes. He had a mission. The guy had a life's mission. These damn untuck <laughs> shirts. <laughs> Can I throw some data your way? Uh, please. So the Nets do have nine games left. The Nets, according to Tankathon, which this isn't like an exclusive proprietary statistic, but their remaining schedule, the Nets have the 10th hardest remaining schedule they have games against uh the nuggets two games against the bucks mavericks trailblazers spurs their easy games are the Cavs and two bulls games and the bulls games bulls. like being easy games mm. yeah sorry i know i don't know why <laughs> i said that so oddly yeah. the bulls uh <laughs> the bulls are competing for a playoff spot but maybe by that time they'll be tanking philly has the easiest schedule uh in the the remaining games uh philly the hardest games philly has hawks heat spurs then they play the Rockets. The, <laughs> the Rockets without, like, the, everyone. Uh, Pistons, two Magic game, which the, the Magic are, you know, they're doing what they need to do. They also play the Bulls. And they also play the Pelicans. I don't, I, again, I would not classify those as easy, easy, but, you know, those teams aren't that good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there is, like, a real possibility. Like, that's a, that's a vast difference in schedule and quality mm-hmm. in my mind. So there's, there's a threat. There's a possibility. Um you know, that the Nets could, I mean, it's only a game and a half up. It's not that, you know, vast of a difference, but yeah. um, it's a little scary yeah. if you if you want the number one seed. I'm with it. Um, let's take some Twitter <laughs> questions. Mm-hmm. Um, we will go down all the way to the beginning. Josh Leffel. Joshy. Josh has two questions for us, okay? And we talked about this a little bit, but we can quickly kind of do it. Playoff matchups, worst possible, best possible in the first round. So we'll look at that in a second. And then number two is who do you think will be in the playoff rotation? Okay. I think the best way to figure this out is sort of just to do process of elimination. Okay. Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant are playing. Joe Harris are playing. That is four players. Blake Griffin is going to be in there. Jeff Green is going to be in there. Landry Shamit's going to be in there. That's already seven. 
who knows what's happening. Nick Claxton is going to come back at some point. Alizé Johnson, I don't think so. Timothy LeBeau Cabarro, DeAndre Jordan. Let me ask you this, Bri. Mm-hmm. Out of, I'm trying to think of the list, but like Nick Claxton, when he returns, how much of a, a figure will he be in the playoff rotation? Do you think he will be consistent? Or do you think Nash will do what he's kind of done all year, which is mix and match big guys depending on matchup or depending on game? Um, I think it's a I think it's a mix and matcher. Um, I'll even throw some some DJ into that conversation because now right. I think he's <clears throat> been thrown into that to that mix. Um, and I kind of I do feel like I have a pretty clear picture of where the best mat- matchups go um, for that stuff. Like, um, like if we're I mean, let's do some examples. Um, yes. So we can even start with the first question: the horn, uh, the playoff uh, first first. Uh, round who's who's the best <laughs> Jesus who's the best in the first round um so like for me I would very much like to play the Hornets that's yes. that is for that's me it's just a, a soft landing spot that is they they don't have any of the um they're, none of their strengths match our weaknesses that's how I feel um and so I would feel pretty comfortable running a whole lot of any of those three out there with without much problem um and so for that reason, I would run a, ro- a lot of DeAndre Jordan just to like get his minutes in there, in there. Good. It's kind of weird to say that. Like, I think Alizé Johnson is going to like truly compete for playoff minutes. Um, I don't know if that's a, a question that's out there, but like just based on how, first of all, know. here's the one data point. Kevin Durant loves Alizé Johnson. <laughs> okay. That's an important data point not to be overlooked. It was, I was remarking on it during the game and because he's just like, you know, they were doing the like, oh, like, yeah, like chuffing each other up kind of stuff. And I noticed chuffing it. it huh? They were chuffing. And then after the game, <laughs> the chuff went even into the tweet to the Twitterverse. They yes. were tweet chuffing each other. Um, so chuffing just means to encourage people in the in the heat. It's not a I don't know what you're trying to get at, Mike, but chuffing is a nice thing. Um, <laughs> like. Dirty, dirty man. <laughs> I'm not saying anything. you're but, letting your own mind. I know. I mean, it's the Sean. It's the Sean Williams image behind me. This is tainting everything. Um, that's for the YouTube audience. That's for the YouTube okay. audience. Check Go us out. YouTube. Check us out on YouTube. There's a. You'll see a visual aid here. Um, but anyways, so do wait. Do you think Alize Johnson's going to get min mins? I think he's going to get min mins against the right matchup, and they're going to be significant. I would say he gets real min mins in the other Define kind of significant. So against good rebounding teams like the 76ers, God forbid, the Knicks, you know, any of those types of matchups in, again, this is second roundish, you know, through, we're talking later on. But um, I think that when you're, when you're going to war in those types of situations, I think Alizé suddenly becomes a pretty interesting matchup to, to insert in there, you know, give him his, his occasional 25 minute game. That's really what I'm saying. It's not like he's playing, you know, starter 40 minutes or whatever, but um, I think he gets to that level in certain yeah. matchups. Yeah, I think it's like that's the that's kind of the exciting thing. The playoff rotation question, like typically when you look at a team, you're like, it's going to be these eight guys and that's it. Right. That Nash has not played it at all that way this year. And I think it's going to be so matchup dependent, like you're saying, like Alizé Johnson makes a lot of sense in sort of like a Knicks series as a, or 76er series, like you said. I think Nick Claxton makes a lot of sense in like a Bucks series yes. because like he, he not that he's going to be a Giannis stopper. No, he's but, the best fit for sure. He's got the, like but he, the best he's got the length speed. Speed. Yeah. Yeah. He can match up against a lot of the guys that the, that 
the Bucks have a lot of that length and athleticism that they have. I remember like early on in the Nick Claston experiment, like getting lulled at for saying that that would be at least our best matchup against Giannis, and that and it would a pretty like league league I, average yeah. wise a pretty good one in general. And now I feel like that's not a crazy take anymore. Okay, I feel like I just want to highlight. I want to do <laughs> that petty bullshit. Okay, I think that I think you're right. I did. I think the way you presented it, from how I remember, it felt very much like no. Nick Claxton's going <laughs> to shut down. Yeah, that was the presentation. Of okay? course, all in, God, Mike, you there's would. There's no foreplay. You, you would. There's no thought. It was yeah, just, I just Nick Claxton's going to bend Giannis over his knee <laughs> and spank him like a toddler. That's what that was the take. Yeah. Um, so, and I have faith in Nash that he will figure this out. Like he will figure out the best. I mean, you brought up DeAndre Jordan. DeAndre is going to get playoff. I mean, like he's definitely going to play in the playoffs. He's definitely going to play in certain matchups. Um, I don't know what the perfect matchup is for him. Like I can't. He doesn't have you one. Know, it's it's unfortunate, yeah. but there is no perfect matchup for him. He's just too. Um, I don't know. He's limited. He's going to get him. He's yeah. going to get minutes against him. I mean, he's going to get minutes against any big. But this is against Embiid in particular. I think not that he's a good matchup for Embiid, but there is a craftiness that still exists in DeAndre. Oh, totally. And like a guy, the guy has played a bunch of playoff minutes, and and you know obviously Lamarcus Aldridge isn't a part of the team, and but he was playing well when he was here. The best thing about Lamarcus Aldridge is that he had a ton of playoff minutes, and that it's just a different experience. Yeah. Like Nick Claxton is just a baby deer running out there, mm-hmm. uh, a baby Terminator deer, but mm-hmm. he is a baby deer, and he's Terminator. not like you know like he's more than just a, he's like a cyborg. Deer. Okay, got it. <laughs> My son is mm. he's just pressing his face. Yeah. Hi. Hi, buddy. Um, so playoff rotation. I, this is the way also I'll look at it. Here are like the guaranteed like 35 minutes a game, right? It's the big three in Joe Harris. So anything off of that, you know who we haven't even mentioned yet? Spencer Dinwiddie. Spencer Dinwiddie could be part of the playoff rotation. I mean, I think Steve Nash spoke about it, right? That that Dinwiddie's like looks pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's gonna be pretty wild to get him to just go from zero to playoff. I mean, just I mean, we talked about this like it was like, yeah, this is possible, but it's actually gonna be pretty interesting to see. Like, wow, is this really happening? That's gonna be. Was that how many? Does that happen? Has that? Does that, has it ever happened before? <laughs> like we go from just, torn ACL to playoff basketball. That's pretty wild. No, it, yeah. Like pretty much everyone makes the decision just to sit out. Yeah, it's like again. Like I, we have both argued that there's a benefit that t- to be on this. I mean, team I think there is. Basketball. It's a really weird circumstance where this would be the one time where you might want to do it. But like now that we're about to seem like about to do it, it's like, oh, this is kind of crazy. Um, another question for you. Yes, from your boy Murph. Fries for dinner. Fries for dinner. Dessert for lunch. Both. Um, <laughs> if this team, this is from Jeff. Uh, if this team is fully health come playoff time, who do you see the rotation playing out? So, Jeff, we, we hit up your question. appreciate it. Matthew Abramovitz, Matty boy. Um, who gets the most minutes at five going forward? We kind of answered that, right, this. with we the rotation this. question. But, but I think was, let's, let's, yeah, let's answer the question. Against the Hornets, DeAndre Jordan gets all those minutes. Rightfully, wow. because because that's I mean it's the best matchup. Cody Zeller is not big enough or, or fast enough for DeAndre Jordan. Um, I'm trying to think of like the actual guy who's going. to – I mean, I feel like if if we count Jeff Green as a five, he's going to get the most minutes when he's on the floor. Let's, but let's not. Are we going to do that? I mean, I, I think it, I think I mean I think it really. If we're going to answer this as faithfully as I see it, it's just Claxton, DeAndre, Alize. 
Alize is not really a five. It's not either. really a five either. Because if you're going to go Alize, you may as well throw Blake and Jeff in there too, which is obviously if, if Lamarcus Aldridge was on this team, he, he would. Can I say that I've been really enjoying my Blake Griffin minutes these days? I mean, I always was, but it's getting better Thank and better. Thank you. Finally, someone's. No. <laughs> <laughs> I like him as he's like he's been trolly too. He's been trollish, which is which has been yeah. nice. You know, the whole experience has been great. I mean, it, the the best part about it is that he immediately. I mean, he's so smart that he immediately understood what his career should now look like. Yeah. Right? Like, coming from a super, like a mega superstar, uh, goes to Detroit, has that great season where he's like second team All-NBA or whatever, and then injuries and all that kind of weird stuff, and he gets, you know, not banished from the team, but they they send him off to the wall to yeah. wait to wait for the big deal. Um, he immediately has come in and been like, I'm just going to be like sort of like all shoulders – some athleticism, smart, crafty plays, diving on the floor. Yeah. Um, he understood immediately what he should be doing. He's, he team. is definitely, as as build, a smart a smart cookie. I also think he's like, you know, everyone talks about his comedy thing, which I have, you know, I haven't seen a whole lot of evidence for, haven't, but also haven't sought it out. Not to say that's not there. That's I said that weird. It's not that I just haven't watched his stand up. That's all I'm trying to say. But he has the best wired up out of any, like almost all the time, like wired up sucks. It's like a bad, just, it's just like you get platitudes. Or always, how could it? And that's the thing. It's like, how, how is always wired up so bad? It's really how, bad. But how is he's it? He's the like, only one that's got a good one. He went up to Timothy Lewall. He's like, Timothy Lewall, your, your name's a disaster. I was like, <laughs> so I said, and then he goes to, and then he goes to Alizé Johnson. He's like, Alizé's got his lunch pail. He's clocking in. He's got his lunch pail with him. <laughs> it's just, it's like a, like a high school football co- or like, Baseball coach or something. That's what we're really, having. Yeah. We really should give him shorts that he like just hikes up <laughs> really high up. Yeah. Give him a belly like what James Harden looked like when he was in yes. Houston. Just a big old belly. Get that whistle. Mm-hmm. Just keep give it helicopter. Exactly. That That's the character he was putting. It was good. It's really good vibes. Um, Brian McCann on Twitter says, just let Brian rant about something esoteric unrelated to basketball theory. That's usually entertaining. I think we've probably did that today. Wow, so feather in my ca- that feels that feels good. That's the best. <laughs> that's the that's the that's the only way to compliment me, I think. Um this is this is sort of along the lines, no one's asked this, but this is along along the lines of the center question. Um we really haven't seen too much KD at the five. It was something I was talking about earlier in the year. Obviously, injuries has made it so that he hasn't played many minutes at the five. Do you think that Nash will lean heavily on that at all, really, at any point in the playoffs? Because if KD's playing at the five, it's obviously like Joe Harris, Kyrie Irving, James Harden on the floor. And then it's someone like, I don't know, maybe it's like Landry Shaman if you're just going like ultimate shooting lineup at different times of the game. I don't think the Nets are ever pretty like they're never going to do heavy minutes at KD at the five. I, I don't think we we I think KD at the five is kind of a miss. A yeah, it's a bit of a fallacy because like we only really run a five when there's a five out there. Like there's not really like most of the time when when Katie's playing with Jeff Green or a combination of Jeff Green and, and even Blake Griffin. um they're all kind of doing switchy stuff against whoever's like kind of doing baseline lurky things. So uh, it never feels like there's like a, like, you know, there's never going to be like KD's like, you know, trying to like guard Jokic in the post or something. That's just like never a thing that, I mean, that'll happen just cause he gets switched right. off on, but um, <clears throat> that's not our go-to defensive strategy um, ever. It, I don't think. Yeah. And I'm some, I love the switching defense of the Nets play. I think it helps them mightily. Uh, particularly because they have a set of players that like aren't 
really truly known for defense. It will be interesting in the playoffs because we've seen this time and time again where a lot of teams, like particularly teams LeBron is on, they will hunt matchups and drill those matchups into the ground. Kyrie Irving had has been a victim of those type of switching, hunting matchups for many times in his career. So is Steph Curry. Guards like that are typically. And yeah. if you're playing the Bucks, um, like if they try to continually get switches on like Giannis on Kyrie, which won't be that hard to do, it's gonna it's gonna make it's gonna force the Nets to react in some way. Yeah. You know, they're gonna have to do something about that. Like they can't you can't just make Kyrie defend everyone because they just switch constantly. It's an interesting thing too, the Kyrie defense thing. And we I mean, I think we used to talk about this more than we do now. Um but who was it that had some like big video about I think it was like five thirty eight, one of these things of like a whole sort of deconstruction of the Kyrie defense situation, which is basically that he's not a bad defender. He's just like undisciplined, right? Like he gets baited into doing, (laughs) you know, meme worthy things going after steals and digs and all that kind of stuff, Um, which is not the worst situation in the world. And like it does, you know, going after steals isn't totally useless, Um, but it's just like, which is the kind of thing, which is like in the playoffs, if somebody like, you know, grabs him by the, by the collar and says like, Hey, like stay home on this. Like it feels like the kind of thing that he has in his toolkit. Like, I think he just gets like distracted during regular season games and wants to just like go on fast breaks with steals. Yeah. And like, for me, it's like, if you go back to the switching problem, it's just that he's physically just uh, not as big as Giannis. Oh, but he's strong. Problem. Like that's always the thing that like, <laughs> everyone always says he's so strong. It doesn't look it. He's so strong. <laughs> Why? Yeah. Could be. Um, yeah. So, that's how, that's I'm my thing. I don't look at it. I'm incredibly strong, Mike. You would never guess. I didn't get <laughs> I'm incre- I would not guess. But I'm incredibly strong. That's um, I'm just joking, guys. That's not true. Um, one last question. This is from Nate Thompson on Twitter. And Nate, thank you so much for this question. And we kind of talked about this a little bit, but where do you see Spencer fitting in for the playoff run if he's obviously if he's there as a slasher, a shot creator, or mainly a defensive guy? I will say this. I in my if Spencer's fully healthy, which I don't think he could possibly be fully healthy. An inch of I would you. Want an inch to, of you has to think <laughs> he could be fully healthy. Yeah. There's still an inch of me. <laughs> yeah. still, the, the, the back which, part of my elbow. Which inch? Yeah, I was gonna the say back, <laughs> right, right there, just behind, just above yeah. the elbow, and the back part of the elbow, right where the tricep is. That's the, wholesome. that inch. That's a wholesome a weenus. <laughs> That's what that's called. Is it? Yeah. You're funny. That's funny. Okay. Nate Thompson said, I think I would want Dinwiddie as a defensive person. I would that's what I would want out of Spencer Dinwiddie because the team has ball creation, you know, or shot creation. It has ball handling. It has all the things you could possibly want. I would like a, a strong wing defender in the Bruce Brown mold. Uh, but obviously Spencer is even more athletic than Bruce. But I think if you're coming back from injury, it's kind of tough to expect a guy to become defensive stopper coming back from an ACL tear. I'm gonna push back. I'm gonna push back on the Spencer's okay. more athletic than Bruce take. I'm gonna push back on that a little bit. I think okay. he's. I think he's got more vertical game than than Spencer, or at least like wants to use it more recklessly than Spencer ever did. Spencer had some dunks. Spencer had some surprising. I'm not, dunks, I'm not saying Spencer's not athletic. He's just like very conservative with his usage of those. Yes. Of those moments. Um, but I think like if we're just talking about just broad deployment of Spencer, the best part of it. Spencer, his his greatest skill is his chameleon-like ability to just kind of do whatever you need at the time that you need it, maybe most 
often he's a david waste. bowie he's, you know he really is a david bowie of the court um <laughs> but yeah that's like i mean i, I think if if elite defender was part of that skill set that would make this like an incredibly easy transition and a no-brainer that's never really truly been his like top he's good he's it's totally sufficient and he's and he's big for his position which is always helpful um but it's kind of like Kyrie and that he kind of doesn't is sort of undisciplined at times but anyways ball handler slash swing um scorer slash just cutting guard like all three of those things are things that he can like kind of pop in and out of whenever you need and i guess like depending on whether you know like whether James Harden and Kyrie Irving are staggering their minutes so that like, you know, they're kind of covering the entirety of the offense. Or if you want to get a, a third look in there with Spencer as your lead ball handler, like I don't, I don't mind it if he comes back and this is a bunch of, these are big ifs, Mike. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so here's what we got coming up. Okay. So the Nets have nine games left, kind of run through the schedule, but I'm Portland, the Portland games tonight. And then there's two games in a row against the Milwaukee Bucks. At Dallas, the Nets go on a five-game road trip here. So it's at Milwaukee, at Milwaukee, at Dallas, at Denver, and at Chicago. And then finish out with three games at home, Spurs, Bulls, Cavs. As I said, the Nets have the 10th hardest schedule for strength of schedule for the remainder, remainder of the year. But, um, one, those Bucks games are huge and they're important. And I'm really excited to see them. I'm sure like half the team, like half the team will be playing in one game and the other half will be playing in the mm-hmm. other. The Bulls may be out of the playoffs by the time the Nets get to the Bulls. Yeah. The Nets play the Bulls twice in the last four games of the year. So those could be throwaways in games that the Nets would actually want to win. The Spurs will be competitive, but the Cavs game, I mean, Kevin Love, I don't want to do this take, but the amount of uh, of like malcontentness that Kevin Love does, Mm. Not many other players in the league would get away with that stuff. Oh wow! But he gets away with it. Here's a take. Here's a spicy take. He gets away with it. I don't understand. Like if if Demarcus Cousins had acted the way that Kevin Love has acted, we everyone would be wow. apoplectic. Wow, apoplectic, Brian. But because it's Kevin Love and we all like him, we all like him. Um, we don't say anything. If it was Demarcus Cousins, people would be apoplectic. Did he, did he do something very public? I didn't even like. I, I oh yeah. I, oh my god, you didn't see this. I don't and pay so attention. at the end of. The, so it's a tight game. I think it's I think it's against the Raptors, Cavs, Raptors, or Cavs, someone. I mean, Kevin Love was playing. It was like 20 seconds left. The the Cavs give up a bucket. And when the this is so ridiculous, when the, the referee like bounces the ball to Love to inbound the ball, because he's gonna inbound it, he just slapped it like he was a volleyball player inbounds and like walked away. The other team picked up the ball and scored again and It was like game over at that point. Mm. The lead was too big. Insane. Mm. And, you know, he's like come out and apologize for it. Um, I'm just going to say it again. If it was DeMarcus Cousins, we would be losing our minds about how selfish he is or how much of a malcontent he is. Yeah. But it's Kevin Love and he's a, you know, he's a banana Republic model. So we don't. We don't say anything. No. We don't. I'm coming for Kevin. Because we love Banana Republic. We love it. We love the sweaters. Very affordable and fashionable. That's kind of how, that's that's where I like to that's the That's the Venn diagram. That's the Venn diagram you want. No Anthony Puccio, but I'm a fashionable guy. Um, No, few are compared to Anthony. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, so thank you all for listening. Um, We'll be back in yours as soon as possible. I promise we won't keep doing Friday pods. It's my fault, not Brian's. Brian's committed. I'm not as committed. What do I, you know? What do I got going on? 
I'm like the husband who says like we should be in an open marriage where Brian's like, really? Do we want to be in an open marriage? Poly under duress. Uh, That's what we are. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, thank you all for listening. Five stars on iTunes. We want to need, we want to have them. We need to have them. <clears throat> Brian. Mike, thanks for having me. Always fun. Always a journey.